Hey, pool seniors, it's your boy, Jim. I just wanted to be candid with you guys for a second before we start our hashtag InstaPool100 viewers choice number two, spin the wheel. You made the deal. Lethal weapon Christmas spectacular. Whew, that's a mouthful. You know, it's been a year. It's been a shitty year for a lot of us. We've been dealing with this pandemic now for nearly nine months. Sometimes we don't know how we're going to get through the next day, let alone the next minute. But we want to thank you guys, Kevin and I, for being loyal, helping us grow this thing together. Like I've said from day one, you're on the journey with us. And that's the truth. Kevin and I started this thing back in June out of the whims of a quarantine saying, hey, let's give this a shot. We love movies. Our minds are full of useless pop culture shit. Let's see what we can do. This will be fun. So we started a quest with Armageddon, and we've made our way 30 episodes deep now into Lethal Weapon. And if it wasn't for all of your guys' support, all of you that have followed us on Facebook, all of you that have followed us on Instagram, all of you that have downloaded our podcast on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify, I don't know where we'd be today. And I love the fact that you are growing along with us. And we hope that 2021 will be a hell of a bigger year, hell of a better year for every single one of us, every single one of you pool seniors, every single one of you lifeguards, all of us. And with that, here is to a more fruitful, stable, and more importantly, fun 2021. But right now, it is time for the Christmas extravaganza bow on top of the present. Here is your pick. It's time to get crazy with one of the best buddy cop movies of all time. Here is Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Martin Riggs, and Roger Murtaugh himself. Welcome everybody to Christmas. This is Lethal Weapon. Happy holidays, pool sceners. It's a very COVID Christmas. That's right. This is the pool scene podcast. Christmas. Christmas special. There you go with the Christ. Christmas. Christmas Hard T. Christmas. Christmas. K R I S S M A S. Peter Christmas. You, our listeners, suggested Christmas movies for us. And if you tuned into our Instagram, you got to see us spin the wheel and you already know what it landed on. Yes. This is a buddy podcast. And we're doing a buddy cop movie. I'm Kevin. I guess I'd be the cop that's questioned about whether he's unstable or crazy or not. And Jim, you'd be the cop that's too old for this shit. Oh, I'm too old for this shit. I am. The cop that was already driving when I was just an itch in my daddy's pants. <laughs> I look 50 years old, but in actuality, I'm 22. Yeah, that's how pretty much Gary Busey and... Uh, Donald Glover are in this movie. Donald Glover? You mean no. Danny Glover? Danny Glover, not Donald Glover. He actually <laughs> no, is guy. like 22. God, I can't imagine Childish Gambino in the role of Roger Murtaugh. No, not yet. And I couldn't imagine his kids coming in, giving him a cake while his dick's hanging out in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. With your suggestions, the wheel landed on 1987's Lethal Weapon, directed by Richard Donner. And it is a Christmas movie. It's been verified. Yeah, we're going to get to that. And written by Shane Black. Pool sceners, go visit Shane Black's Wikipedia because he is just the best. Shane Black intended the movie to be an urban western. The original version of the script had much bigger action with the original ending being helicopters chasing a cocaine-filled semi-truck with the truck exploding and cocaine snowing over the famous Hollywood sign in Los Angeles. Would have been the most amazing scene in movie history. Black hated the original script and rewrote it to inject it with much more comedy. I'd say he made the right choice, except I like the idea of the cocaine snow. Imagine him, Riggs, and Mr. Joshua fighting under a massive snowfall of narcotics. It's awesome. It'd be the most amazing thing ever. It'd be great. Los Angeles would get their white Christmas. Yes. 
Now, you might say that Lethal Weapon is not a Christmas movie, as Jim mentioned, but the movie opens with Jingle Bell Rock. It ends with I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's set at Christmas. It focuses on family and relationships, has an action scene at a Christmas tree lot. This movie is about a couple of adults having a tough time at Christmas. And if that ain't more realistic than some of this other Christmas nonsense, no one's shooting their eye out with a BB gun or sabotaging robbers with micro machines. I'd say this is more of a Christmas movie than even Die Hard. You know, they always say that when a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. In this movie, every time a bullet fires, Martin Riggs... His mullet gets uh, wavier. One of the greatest mullets. It's great. It's, it's like a, a bad head mullet. It's not even an intentional mullet. It's just a great overall mullet. Yeah. Lethal Weapon was released in 1987. Jim, please give us the gift of telling us about the budget and box office and how things were in 1987. So Lethal and the Weapon was released on March 6, 1987 to a budget of only $15 million dollars and made a whopping $120 million at the box office. Could help explain why there's four of these. But it's a great four movie. Die Hard gave you only good three movies. This gave you at least a solid four. Some of the major events that were happening in March 1987, Kevin and I know this all too well, 93,120 people crammed into the Pontiac Silver Dome in Detroit, Michigan, to witness WrestleMania 3, the battle between the world heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Still uh, a worked number. Yes. The number wasn't genuine. What did they set it up? Probably being like 60-some thousand yeah. or 70. Yeah. They basically doubled what, you know. And the match had such hype, but the match itself was not that great because mm-hmm. poor Andre just at that age of his life and the giantism just destroying his bones he could barely move yeah but the iconic shot of hogan lifting up andre and slamming him will go down in the annals of history as one of the most iconic photos in human history and you know it was such a big deal but so many people had slammed andre mm-hmm. big john stud uh i can't think of him off the top of my head but like andre let multiple you know, brothers, good brothers, slam him. But I will say Vince kind of protected it when it came to TV and yeah, pay-per-view. Yes, yeah, we never saw and it. this was closed circuit. Right, so we never saw it on, yeah, anyway. But one of the most amazing things, if anybody gets the opportunity to check it out, look at Andre the Giant back in the 70s. This dude was agile as hell. This guy was jumping, running like crazy. Not the Andre that most of you grew up with, but kudos to that. One of our, I wouldn't say our personally, but one of the most notorious movies of all time swept the Razzies, Howard the Duck. Yeah. Swept the Golden Raspberry Award. Talked about that a little bit last week. Yeah, duck tits. Try watching Howard the Duck now. It is, but it, like I said, that movie Howard did give me a nightmare. the Duck. That great song, song. stuck in my head. It's a great song. The movie sucks, though. And we have not done something like this in a while. We had a birth on March the 1st, 1987 of somebody very worthwhile. Kesha was born on March Ooh, 1st, TikTok. 1987. Nice. Love However, we also lost a legend in March of 87, the end of it. Danny Kay, the man who starred in White Christmas, one of my favorite Christmas movies ever, passed away. So Danny Kay. Danny Kay sounds like a YouTuber. Like a Twitch <laughs> streamer. Yeah. This is Danny Kay. I'm going to stream Fortnite. I'm going to stream dicks on Cyberpunk. <laughs> I'm going to do a a marathon of Create a Dick. Oh, Jesus. Or Geno, as I said last year. You love Genos. You're a big Geno fan. We're going to have to make a t-shirt that says, I love Genos. Fred Whitaker, our buddy's favorite song, went to number one this time in 1987. Living on a Prayer prayer by Bon Jovi. Whoa, we're halfway there. That's right. And a movie that I have not seen, but has an amazing soundtrack, especially by Dokken. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, yeah. was the number one movie at the box office. Yeah, Dream Warriors is a fantastic song. Oh, it's so good. Play, play a second of it. All right, here we go. Here's a little Dream Warriors by Dokken. Nothing more Christmassy than <laughs> Dream Warriors. You're a dream 
That's pretty good. So this is a Christmas special. So it's not part of our season three regularly scheduled programming. We're feeling a little bit more loose. We hope you enjoyed our bonus content that we surprised you with. Yes. Our uh, the Christmas extravaganza weekend. The Easter egg hunt. We hope you found uh, all 11. Yeah, we're going to have to post a key for people. Or we could just tell them. the. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going through it. <laughs> all right, let's get into the plot. Hey, of- uh, Kevin, we forgot two major updates. Oh, we did. Oh my God, Kevin, you almost ruined Christmas. Here is your Alan Jackson March of 87 update. People started looking at me different, put me up on this pedestal like I was some kind of saint or something, you know, and I was like, man, I'm just a saint or simple saint. Now, this is a very weird Alan Jackson update. He cut an album titled New Traditional at Doc's Place in Hendersonville, Tennessee, but it is extremely rare and was only released in Japan. I have, oh, ten, I have 10 copies. Can you imagine... What would a Japanese audience think of, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and a new feature we added last week, here's your Peter Cetera update for March of 87. I knew that people couldn't differentiate Peter Cetera's music songs from Chicago. They just assumed that, hey, play Saturday in the park. Well, I, I didn't write it, I didn't sing it. Yeah. Why would I play it? Speaking of that, two interviews that Peter Cetera gave in 1987, he discussed people's confusion about Gloria Love and said they thought initially that it was a new song by Chicago. However, by February of 1987, he had achieved enough recognition as a solo performer to win the American Video Award for Best New Artist. I'm adding it to my bucket list that I'm going to meet Peter Zatera. I'm going to catch up with him and I'm going to say, Ellen, Ellen, <laughs> Ellen, hey, why do you why do you treat your staff like shit, Ellen? <laughs> What what what's going on, Alan? Have you seen him recently, though? I haven't. He D Alan. <laughs> he went through a full never D Alan. You you never go full D Alan. He went full on D Alan, and he's out. And that was your news. Your Alan Jackson and Peter Cetera Christmas updates for March of 1987. Thanks, Jim. Now let's talk about the plot of Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon refers to former narcotics sergeant Martin Riggs. Riggs is a Vietnam veteran. His wife died in a car accident uh, three years ago, so three years prior to 1987 when this movie takes place. You mean 1984? (laughs) Okay. Also known as 1984, yes. Orwell. He is suicidal, and he's going overboard with his treatment of criminals. (laughs) I thought you were going to be like, he's suicidal, homicidal, genocidal, Sabu. Sabu and uh, Donald Glover. Can you imagine that buddy cop movie? Yes. So he is, he's going overboard with how he treats criminals because he's like a loose cannon. He's a lethal weapon. He's got nothing to lose. So they transfer him from narcotics to homicide. Here, he's partnered with Sergeant Roger Murtaugh, who just turned 50. And as you'll hear, he's too old for this shit. I think you hear it. I don't know how many times you lose count of like 20. Their total opposites pretty much clash on every single thing. Murtaugh is contacted by a friend, Michael Hunsacker, who wants to meet up and reconnect with Murtaugh, but before they can do so, Hunsacker's daughter, Amanda, Amanda Hunsacker, is... (laughs) Thank you for the clarification. (laughs) Amanda Hunsacker? Amanda commits suicide by jumping off a balcony. However, when the autopsy shows that her death was a murder, which is, we'll talk about, because... That's a logic thing. If you can pin this murder on someone in a court of law, I'd be impressed with the lawyer. Yeah. Hunsacker reveals to Murtaugh that he wanted to meet because he was concerned about his daughter's involvement in drugs, prostitution, and pornography. He was reaching out to Murtaugh to help her. From here, Riggs and Murtaugh chase down the case and all the bad guys involved. Gunfights ensue. Riggs saves Murtaugh's life early on. Murtaugh begins then to tolerate Riggs. Yeah. You know, they become friends. He's coming around. Riggs and Murtaugh uncover some clues that reveal that Hunsacker knows more than he let on. Some Vietnam Special Forces members have been running a scheme involving heroin and laundering money, and they are called, great name for a Nintendo game, Shadow Company. Amanda was killed as retaliation because Hunsacker reached out to Murtaugh. That's all it took. You know, Hunsacker reached out to Murtaugh, so the bad guys said, the bad guys are in the air. Shadow Company kidnap Murtaugh's daughter. Riggs and Murtaugh plan an ambush, but they're captured as well. While being tortured, Riggs manages to fight his way out, and the three escape to a club occupied by Shadow Company. 
The final showdown happens at Murtaugh's house on his front lawn as they know that the bad guy, Mr. Joshua, will go there to basically kill Murtaugh's family. Such a great baddie name, by the way. Yes, Mr. Joshua. Mm -hmm. I love it. Riggs visits his wife's grave and then spends Christmas with Murtaugh's family, now close friends. Riggs gives Murtaugh a symbolic Christmas gift, a hollow point bullet he has been saving to put through his own skull. Riggs no longer needs it. Happy ending. Merry Christmas. Jim, unless you have anything else to mention, let's get into characters. Yes, do it. Mel Gibson as Martin Riggs. He cannot not be Australian. He's always Australian. It's gone. It it phased itself out throughout the years, but he's still meat and potatoes Australian. He's coming off of, I'm pretty sure before this movie, he did Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. So that would make sense. So he's still in the Australian kick. Danny Glover, not Donald Glover as Roger Murtaugh. Not Australian. Gary Busey as Mr. Joshua. Questionable Australian. Uh, Mitchell Ryan as Peter McAllister. Tom Adkins. As Wait, really? His name's Peter McAllister? Yeah. From like Home Alone? Uh-huh. Not John Hurd, but Mitchell Ryan as Peter McAllister. This is Peter McAllister, the father. Tom Adkins as Michael Hunsacker. Darling Love as Trish Murtaugh. Whole bunch of other Murtaugh's. We have... Don't forget about Daughter Murtaugh. Daughter Murtaugh. Uh-huh. Trying to see if there's anyone else really worth mentioning by name. Not really. So, Jim, which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Tom Atkins, man of action. Yeah. How does he get these roles? I mean, he's an amazing guy. We've heard nothing but amazing things about how nice and very... Here is a, a pool scene podcast rule. If Tom Atkins is in the movie, I'm picking Tom Atkins for this segment. Yeah, why not? He, yeah, like Jim said, he's in Halloween 3, he's in Night of the Creeps. Maniac Cop. Maniac Cop. He's in a ton of movies. He pretty much plays the same, you know, he's like a Kevin Costner where every movie is essentially the same tone. It's just he wears a doctor's jacket in this one and he wears a cop uniform. Now, would you say he's B or C tier? Probably C tier. Like top of the C tier? I don't even know if I'd go top of the C tier. Okay, so he's a mid-carter. Yeah, but he, uh... Yeah, he's great. I love when Tom Atkins pops up and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. In the end, I'd come around to man of action himself, Tom Atkins. Okay, let's get started with best scenes. Jim, how about you kick us off? Meeting Martin Riggs. Now I can read you guys your rights, but now nah, you guys already know what your rights are, don't you? Badge ain't real. You ain't real. Oh, you sure are a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm crazy? Yeah. Are you calling me crazy? crazy? You think yeah. I'm crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you want to see crazy? I'll tell you. Now, that's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun. And him doing the whole, let me count out $100 to buy all this cocaine. And then he proceeds to do the Three Stooges, Larry, Moe, and Curly routine to the drug dealers. So let me let me preface this scene. So they are, it's broad daylight. He's undercover. Daylight. They're just out publicly at a Christmas tree farm or a Christmas tree lot. Yeah, in like the city. He tests out some drugs because he's a narco agent. Mm-hmm. Tests out some drugs. They tell him it's a hundred, and he literally starts fanning out. Starts cash. fanning out a hundred dollars, and, and then they say, he's getting changed. No, a hundred thousand, and he goes, "Oh, I can't afford that. <laughs> I can't make that on my salary." Then it just goes fucking nuts. You had a guy hiding in the U-Haul truck full of trees, shooting an unnecessary shotgun blast, which made no sense. And this is how the world meets Martin Riggs for the very first time. That's why it's my number one scene. My first one, in no particular order, because I don't think this is the best one, Murtaugh brings Riggs to dinner. Brian, this is not the first time we've had company. You fool me. <laughs> My name is Carrie. I'm no fairy. My sister's Sherry. She's in love with this guy named Mike. Carrie! Oh, Nicholas. Come on. It was really good. Is it you Yeah, Dad, why don't you try it? You Yes. So, and Murtaugh's family is awesome. They are very loving and very like funny. They, Their house is in the middle of construction. Yeah. And 
His wife, Trish, is amazing. Yeah, and Murtaugh's daughter has a big thing for Riggs. It's so obvious she stares at him at the fucking dinner and table. She stares at him so much that Murtaugh's other kids do a freestyle rap song. They're beatboxing. A beatboxing about how you know she has a crush on him. And then uh, after dinner, Murtaugh and Riggs go out and just sit in a boat. Is this what you're looking for, Captain? You asshole! It's like in the street or the driveway. You know what's amazing? He's always, I believe throughout all four movies, he's had a boat. You never see him on the goddamn no. boat ever. Well, that's, that's what's awesome. I like, love it. I can imagine you and I, if we had a boat, just we never sitting take it in, on the it, lake. in the driveway, like having a beer in the boat in the driveway. Not Listening the to go west. Yeah. And they scold the daughter because she was caught smoking a joint in the house. Yeah. And he lets her drink beer, but doesn't let her smoke joints. The answer is no end of story. Yeah. Come on, Raj, have a heart. Hey, good buddy. She smoked pot in the house. She's grounded. Well, next time I'll just take a beer instead. Why can I have a beer and I can't smoke a joint? It's not Coke, you know. Oh, okay, I'll tell you why. Because now, at this moment, beer is legal. Grass ate it. Right or wrong? It's wrong. Right. Right. Apparently, a great beer, mind you, Coors OG. Yes, the Bank original. Coors Banquet. Yes. Yeah. I also want to bring up, going back to my scene real quick, they were drinking Meisterbrow beer. We've seen Meisterbrow in a lot of movies. Is that just a fictional beer? It probably is. Or is that a legit beer? Eisler or one of these other ones that's just a brand specifically for uh, movies. There's a whole list of you know, alcohol, beer, foods that are just generic for movie use only. Yeah, apparently it is. Yeah, I always see that. Just thought about it. That's all. Okay, uh, let's give us uh, your next scene. Okay, my next one is another one of my favorites, the jumper scene. See this key? Bye-bye. You're crazy! Now, you can jump if you want to, but you'll be taking me with you, and that makes you a murderer. Okay? Come on, let's go you back. You bastard! Yeah, you'll be killing a cop. Now, yeah, I'll be killing a psycho nut cop! Yeah, a psycho, but I'm still a cop. You coming in? Come on, I'm going in. Fuck you! I'm jumping! Do you really want to jump? Do you want to? Well, then, that's fine with me. Come on. Let's do it, asshole. Let's do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. What do you mean? Where yeah. we see Riggs go to the point where Murtaugh basically almost lets him kill himself. So Riggs, they respond to a suicidal jumper that, let's be honest, is not that high up. He's about three stories up. He's yeah. not like on a skyscraper. No. Weird guy looks like Robert Davi. If Robert Davi had some sort of eating disorder and he was very hyper, that's what I would say. All right. So you go to the scene. He goes up on the roof. He decides to get over the edge and you see Murtaugh staring up at him going, what the hell is he doing? He eventually, you know, said, hey, man, you want a cigarette? So apparently it's the dog, the bounty hunter thing where, hey, you're a piece of shit, motherfucker. You want a cigarette, brother? That seems to be the thing. So he ends up forcing him into a cigarette, getting his handcuffs on, and then they proceed to do the world's biggest jump off yeah. three stories. He and- tells the guy, he says, now but now you're a murderer, man. He said, if you jump with me attached to you, yeah, you're going to murder a cop. The whole time, I guess this, well, fuck it, I'll just bring it up now because this could be a logic thing. You're, you're, you're not hearing a massive airbag getting inflated. No, you don't see it. You don't see it. You yeah. don't hear it. Yeah, But yeah, that's my next one. The jumper, the anxious jumper. I had that one as well. It's uh, he literally talks a suicidal man off a ledge by pulling him off the ledge onto a giant airbag. But the second half of that is good when they go into the store, Murtaugh and Riggs, and he just unloads on him. Then Riggs like, you want me to kill myself? He puts the bullet. And he's yeah. about ready to fire it. Yep. Hey, okay. No bullshit. You want to kill yourself? Oh, for Christ. Shut up! Yes or no? You want to die? Yes or no? I got the job done. What the hell do you want? You didn't answer the question. Oh, what do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet? Huh? Well, I do. I do. I even got a special one for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my goddamn head out. Do the job right. He has a death wish, everybody. Uh, Next, I have the fight between Riggs and Mr. Joshua on Murtaugh's front lawn. What do you say, Jack? Would you like a shot at the title? Don't mind if I do. I see this as Murtaugh's gift to Riggs, because we'll talk about it in logic, because the cops have all arrived. Yeah. 
you know, Mr. Joshua is going to Murtaugh's house to kill Murtaugh's family and a bunch of police cruisers pull up and they're all, it's like uh, only the strong where there's a big circle. They're not doing capoeira or chanting Bonin away. Yeah. But there's a big circle around the fight and they're just letting it go. Mm-hmm. These cops could easily just tackle Mr. Joshua Game and over. the thing, but they, I think Murtaugh is letting Riggs get his groove back. Just like Stella. Just like Stella. And that's, uh, which leads me to Riggs shows up at Murtaugh's house at the end of the movie. Hi. Oh, God, hi. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm going to be all right. Oh, good. You? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Um, give this to your dad, okay? Uh, it's a present for him. Tell him I won't be needing it anymore. It's a bullet. Yeah, it's a bullet. Well, he'll understand. And gives him the hollow point bullet that mm-hmm. he's been planning on using to end his own life. And he gives it to Murtaugh's daughter. And he mm-hmm. says, she said, he says, give this to your dad. I know, I know, don't need it anymore. That's essentially Riggs gift back to Murtaugh because and he gets his groove back. He doesn't want to kill himself anymore. You know, what's the amazing thing too. We see a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in this movie, which was ahead of its time in 87. And we see Mel Gibson put Mr. Joshua in a full triangle choke. When I was researching this, there is a whole thing about specifically the martial arts that they wanted to use. I didn't really uh, jot it down or anything for the use of this podcast. But yeah, there was a heavy influence and a focus that that's something that they planned on and wanted to do. It was pretty damn good. It was effective. I loved it. All right. Anything else you wanted to mention? No, not off the top of my head. I do want to bring up the fact that if there's any fans of the movie Miami Connection out there, Mr. Joshua's club seems like someplace Dragon Sound would have played. Yeah. I'm just saying. That place just sticks out like a sore thumb. I love it. I love there's it. There's some band. You get five seconds of a band playing, and there's some random dudes just yelling. That whole Actually, that scene's pretty great. There's random dudes. There's three random dudes yelling at the band. I'm guessing they're the club owners, maybe. I would assume. And they're like, we can get a, a band twice as good for half the price. And then Mr. Joshua, his partner, burns his arm with a lighter for about 30 seconds. Doesn't flinch. Doesn't flinch. Here. Hey, man, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Shut your mouth, Jesus Shut up! Oh, hey, man. Mr. Joshua, your left arm, please. Oh, hey, man. Hey, man, you guys are fucking gone. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Jesus Christ, man. You guys are fucking crazy, man. Come on, man weird scene the one thing that doesn't make sense is when Riggs is being tortured in the back with Murtaugh and his daughter there is no way in hell that club is attached to that back end because that back end is so polar opposite to what is on the outside I'm just saying they must have filmed that in another location had to have all right it's uh it's chilly but people are swimming anyway but we need to get them out of the pool pool check (laughs) all right this for our Christmas special we are going to do our annual jim and i do an annual gift exchange for christmas but before we do that i want to give a shout out to my wife dana so i my birthday is six days before christmas which means i pretty much traditionally have always got hosed not that i care that much but it's just you know it's amazing the older you get the less you give a shit about it i've never really given a shit much but it's just one of those things where you know, it's like your birthday so close to Christmas that you nobody double dips for you. Yeah, but anyway, it's day. my wife, Dana, she, this is hilarious. I, this, I popped so hard for this gift. So one night at our house, my wife goes to bed early. She has to get up early for work and stuff. So she goes to bed early. I go back to our bedroom and she was, I don't know what she was watching, but she leaves the TV on once she falls asleep. And I sit down and start watching this show on, she left it on History Channel. Oh God. And I end up watching... I plan on going back to our room so that I can go to sleep, but instead I watch four consecutive episodes and stay up till like two in the morning watching Forged in Fire. (laughs) 
which is that's that's a blacksmith show. It is a blacksmith show where they make swords. They each each episode they have a specific type of sword that they have to make and they have to forge them. And there's oh, please tell me she got you a sword. No, Damn. there is a guy on the show uh, who he tests like each episode they test the swords. They'll either hit a pig carcass or an ice block you have or to a see tree. If it's legit. Yeah, they have to see yeah. if the the blades that were made hold up. So he always says, your weapon, sir, it will kill. And he says it like that. Not it will kill. He says, it will kill. So I the other day I was watching it. I watched like a, a redemption episode. It's on Netflix now. Okay. So I, it's great. It's the perfect like background show. I got something else to do. I'm wrapping presents, whatever. I'll put on Fortune of Fire. Yeah. Never thought anything of it. You know, it's not like I'm a, a religious watcher of the show. Dana's like, you can open whatever gift you want. It can be your birthday gift. So I open it up. And I'm looking, it's a coffee mug. And at first I'm looking at it and I'm like, what is this? And then I realize it says, your weapon, sir, it will kill. Nice. It says forged in fire on the other side. She got me a forged in fire coffee mug. And that was just a random selection. Oh my God. I loved it. It was hilarious. And I I told her, she was like, I tried to get you a shirt. I said, I would not have worn it. Yeah. Could you imagine? I said, I'm not wearing a I forged in fire. I will kill you. <laughs> I'm not wearing a forged in fire shirt. I'm embarrassed. And she goes, you're embarrassed of the show that you like? So I was like, fine, I will give you a shout out on the podcast to admit to everyone I love Forged in Fire. Dude, Deal with I'm it. embarrassed of a lot of shit that I love. I loved iCarly, for God's sake. Yeah, which is coming back. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! It's coming back? Yeah, they're doing a, a like a new reboot, but uh, Jeanette McCurdy? Is yeah, that Sam. She's not coming back. Fuck that. Why? I don't know. Love Sam. I'm not sure. Is Carly back? Marina Cosgrove? It says, iCarly gets a reboot with original cast. A new version of the show will feature original stars Miranda Cosgrove, Jerry Trainer, Nathan Kress. Be produced, uh, I don't know. You'll oh, have to read about no it. No Jeanette McCurdy. Damn it. Yeah. With that said, why don't we go ahead and uh, share some gifts? Okay, Jim. now, full disclosure, everybody. This isn't a cop-out. This is the honest truth. So, this year has been rough for me because I also DJ on top of my other job. But because of COVID, you know, things have gotten tight. You know, I try to get all this equipment for Kevin and I to try to make the podcast sound better. So I've kind of gotten things a little bit later. So three of your gifts are not going to show up till either near the end of the year or sometime in January. And it doesn't bother me at all. And, and I, well, mean, it, I, I fucking personally hate it's it. It's like but. I told you there's stuff that for Christmas this year that I ordered because obviously, you know, not a lot of in-store shopping. Yeah. And um. There's stuff I ordered because I, I started early. I told Jim, anytime that anybody in my life that I buy for mentions a gift to me or something that they want or like, I have a note in my phone that literally says two early gift ideas. And I put a checklist under each person of shit that they've mentioned that they want. Yeah. So that I can get started right away. But there's stuff I've ordered in November that's like just showing up now. Yeah. There's, I told Jim, there's something I ordered from the UK, which came within two weeks. Which so is crazy. I have no idea what's going on with USPS. The only one that's reliable is Amazon. Yeah. You know, you order something from Amazon, you get it in eight minutes. But Kevin, for me, he will only have one thing to open, but I will divulge as we go what else I got him that will be coming. All right, perfect. Here you go, Jim. Open your okay. first. Okay. Slid it across We're the table. We're doing this right. We're, uh, We're doing the ASMR. Is that correct? Okay, I'm going to unwrap the gift. Everybody, get ready for a little ASMR. People love this shit. They go to bed, f you know. Yeah. Also, your daughter, I think, put to Jimmel. Yeah, my my daughter wanted. Like, oh yes, insisted on writing the tags. Okay, so Kevin and I got back into golfing during uh, lockdown and quarantine, and one of our favorite YouTubers uh, was this Rick Shields or was this Peter Finch? I don't remember. It's either one of them. Uh, check them out on YouTube. Kevin got me a dozen Top Flight Gamer. Oh no, it was uh, Rick Shields. He recommended these uh, golf balls for a longer distance. Kevin and I are trying to really so, fucking get some long drives in. So top, top flight gamer. Top flight, traditionally the worst golf ball. Traditionally garbage. The worst golf ball you can buy. Like the, the Kmart of golf balls. I can say that because Kmart doesn't exist anymore. That's right. The Kmart of golf balls. And, you know, not your Titleist or your Bridgestone or any of these better balls. Normally the gold standard for golf are Titleist Pro V1. Yes. 
So Top Flight though made a rather impressive ball that has a, you all know what a golf ball looks like with the dimples. The Top Flight Gamer has like dimples inside of dimples and a different kind of construction. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's what you all want to hear on our Christmas special is about golf ball construction. Which is supposed to give more distance to the golf ball. So yeah. I'm very excited about so it. So it's something that Jim wanted. Yes. So Kevin, here's the one you can open you, here. I, I will say Jim didn't even wrap it. I don't, Kevin will attest this. I don't wrap gifts. I just, I've never been good at it. I did have wrapping, but I had to throw it away because poop got all over it. Long story. My sewage backed up and I normally wrap this with foil, but I ran out of aluminum foil. Did, uh, did you, you didn't say what the wrapping paper was for you, the gift you just opened. Oh, I didn't even look at the well, wrapping you paper. You can look at the next one. Hold it's, on. I was ASMR and, uh, stranger things. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. For a minute there, I was like, it says target on it. Yes. My bad. So here you go. It's unwrapped in the cardboard box. Ooh. There you go. Had to rip off the label. Kevin, you got to do ASMR. Thanks for the gift, Mr. Wall. You're welcome. Oh, there we go. Ooh. Now, Kevin had mentioned this roughly yeah. like a month or so ago. Like mines. Yes. It's a Titleist. It's a what's referred to as a rope hat. Yes. So it, they, these used to be like the ropes used to be a super popular thing. Sort of like on a trucker hat. Yes. Like there's a rope between the bill and the uh, part where the logo would appear. So Jim got me a Titleist one, which is really cool. It's got a red bill. See, they had a lot of various yeah. colors. Problem is a lot of them were sold out. Yeah. No, so I this, went with that. No, it looks great. I will gladly. It's like red, white, and blue. Yeah. It's not ostentatious. It's not crazy. No, I will gladly. I didn't want to get you an all white hat because I learned from mine. That thing will just pick up sweat in any type of dirt quickly. No, it looks great. It's much appreciated. I like there we go. Lot. Okay. Number two for you. I don't remember what each of these are. So. Okay. It's going to be interesting because I, I know what they are. I, I just, hope it's a half-eaten hot dog. It is not a half-eaten hot dog. Okay. Did you say Junie wrote these? Yes, my daughter Juniper wrote. This looks day. like somebody was murdering her oh, in mid. Okay, so Clementine. This is number two here. Clementine wrote that one, but okay. full disclosure, my youngest daughter Clementine has can't even identify numbers. You ask her how to spell her name. She knows C, but then it's like seven. 14 J B orange. It's the, it's the thought that counts. Yeah. So she wrote that one and it looks pretty mm -hmm. deranged. Book says bam on it. Books bam. a million, not bam Margera. I wish it was. It's, book, yeah. it's a Don Vito biography. All right. What we got? Meli Kaliki Maka. Oh, nice. It is an autographed first edition. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. This is autographed. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, this is Matt Nick Jackson and Young Bucks. They are the current AEW World Tag Team Champions. This is their book, signed first edition, Killing the Business from Backyards to the Big Leagues, autographed by Matt and Nick Jackson. This is fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. I'm excited. I know you don't follow through very much on the reading. I've, I get into stages. Uh, but the fact that it's uh, autographed, autographed first edition is something cool to put on a shelf, even if you don't follow yes. through with reading it. This is... This the, the signatures I look quite bad. Did you? I mean, I understand that they probably signed a million, but it's like yeah. their names look like it's got Mark Jacks. Mark Jacks. And you got Nick Taylor. Looks like you say Jowson. <laughs> Nick J Nick Nick Jowson. Nick Jowson. So, all right, that's really cool. Okay. So, I will tell you what your second okay. gift is, considering I can't give it to you right now. X gonna give it to you. This was a quick pickup that we just Kevin brought up on a recent show how much it meant to him as a kid. So I jumped and I found one. Kevin will be receiving sometime in the new year. A Damon Stoudemire Toronto Holy Raptors shit, jersey. Dude, I found one. Amazing. Uh, the price was really good. I couldn't pass it up. I except love with, it. you know, it, the shipping, it's overseas. So it's going to take a while. But That's fantastic. Kevin said this on last week. Was it the after out? Yes. No. It was the driven. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, best Christmas gift we did on a critical question. Yes. And when I was a kid, I didn't get a ton for Christmas, but one thing that really stood out was the one year I got a Damon Stoudemire jersey, which I wore until the like letters came off because yep. they were screen printed. Yes. So that rules. Jim. So Thank the you. problem will be the sizing will be interesting. Yeah. So it's hopefully fine. it's not a, a giant. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, but that'll be coming to you. 
in 2021. Okay. <laughs> that rules. Thanks, Jim. They said hopefully by the end of January. Yeah. No. Which we will revisit then no on problem. a scene. A scene, a show. Okay. This one came from the UK. Okay. This is the UK one. Jim tears his Stranger Things wrapping paper. Yes. I like the play by play. Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Dude, Tiger and Charlie Woods this past weekend were amazing. Yeah, Charlie's a clone of his dad. That kid's going to win. This is not a golf main. thing, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We brought this up, I believe, was it the After Hours last week's episode? Yeah. So Kevin made a joke. I'm a big Formula One fan, and my favorite driver is Ayrton Senna. Kevin got made. There is a drawing of Ayrton Senna in the MP4 this would be the MP4 5 this is after he won his first championship in 88 is McLaren followed by now the greatest of all time Lewis Hamilton in the uh, Mercedes and it says on the top the Ayrton Senna of Chick-fil-A that is fucking awesome that when I ever go to Chick-fil-A I like to race the person next to me I beat them to the window yeah and every time I do I play Senna's victory theme, which I played at the tail end of Driven. The song you hear in the background, that is known as the Senna victory theme. This is perfect. I fucking love it. You can hang it somewhere. This will be probably hung down here in the studio. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome. Okay. So your next one is golf themed. You brought this up. All right. And we do our golf reviews, of course. And it will be golf balls. I got you a dozen Vice Pro Golf Balls. Oh, nice. So that's another review we saw. So we're going to check them out. We'll give you yeah. guys a test when the golf season we're starts to start our golf podcast. Yes. Which we're terrible golfers. We're going to call it the 19th hole or the nod to the guys. Okay. So here's your main event. Your, your last gift. Pick it up. I'm trying to pick it up. There you go. Okay. This has got some heft to it, everybody. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty large. I'd say. Uh, okay. This is to earn <laughs> NWO. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Ironically enough, I was listening to the Wolfpack theme at work tonight. All right, so it's a tote. Oh, all right, it's a tote. Kevin got me Tupperware. I got him Tupperware. Okay. Tote. Tupperware tote. Hmm, what the hell is this? These are the rare, highly sought after. Holy shit. Michigan Jordan 12s. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Holy shit. So what my, made you think of this? I so Michigan was the first team with a Jordan contract. That's right. So they do a lot of special editions of Jordans. Oh, it's got the M on the tongue. And some of them are super really highly sought after. God, I love that smell of a fresh and shoe. uh yeah, I just you're a huge University of Michigan fan. Unfortunately, it's yeah. an embarrassing well, time to be so. It is, but it's kind of two crossovers for you. I mean, it's Michigan, it's Jordan, and yeah, you got called a hey, college basketball. Yeah, basketball is a little saving grace. Now, the only thing that drives me a little bit crazy about the shoes, yeah, is the Michigan logo. Oh, it's only on one tongue. That's the way they made it. That's why the hell would they? Well, they put the jump man like faded on the other tongue. Yeah, but they put the Michigan logo only on one. The thing about the the Jordan 12s, the normal ones, is yeah. they're typically just leather. But these ones are, are like a brush suede, so I you have like to be it. careful to wear them when it's wet and stuff. Oh, it, these aren't these are going out on nice days, man. Yeah. These aren't wet weather so, shoes. I, I Jesus, think, yeah, dude, you outdid yourself, man. These are Jesus. Yeah, we can uh, we can upload a picture of those and show you guys what they look like and yeah. the rest of this stuff too. We can. We can share a picture on Instagram. Yeah, good Lord, man. Thank you. You're welcome. God, Kev. <laughs> no pressure. And oh, I, no. God. And I figure, so you, you've bought a couple pair of Jordans in the last year or so. Yeah, well, now, Chinese website Jordans. Now, shoe collectors will uh, will keep their shoes in totes. Not that type of tote, typically. They usually get these um, flip-down yeah. Front totes. Yeah. And you can stack them. So if you start a shoe collection, you can stack all the totes, flip the front door down. I could say that's probably one thing I'll never be is a shoe collector. You're not going to spend? No. I'm not that. I don't, first of all, I don't have that kind of money to be a shoe collector. And I, second of all, if I want to wear, if there's like these nice shoes, considering they're a gift, I'll only wear when it's like spring or summer and there's zero chance of rain now, or any kind of mud. I would absolutely collect shoes if I could, but it is a very expensive. And it, it's a system that is 
built for failure because they release so few amount of shoes. They give the shoes to celebrities mm -hmm. and then no one really ever has a realistic chance at getting any of these shoes. Well, the hard pair of shoes that Kevin and I have talked about for years that I've always wanted are the Michael Chang Victory Two Pumps, which they are the blue lettering and they only ever pop up on eBay and somebody's gonna want five hundred dollars for them. It's like get the fuck out of here. I'm not yeah. paying five hundred dollars for well, Michael Chang. Someday shoes. when this podcast blows up, we're gonna get offered our own shoe signature shoe. And I do hope that you make the McDonald's pizza box, Jordan. There's gonna be a pizza box, Jordan. There's gonna be a nice pool color blue. It's gonna be very nice. Well, Kevin, your next one. Okay. Does it fucking add up to the shoes? Like, here's a here's a half-eaten hot dog signed by Barry Bonds. Whoa, that'd be sweet. I jumped on a week or so ago when they popped up, and there is a chance that you could get a rare variant. And if you do get the rare variant, that would be pretty sweet. You talked about this a long, long time ago. You said, if this comes out, I want it. It's going to be yours. I just wish it Well, Those aren't going to be available till mid-January. I got you AEW. Series three, Darby Allen. Oh yeah. Cause you said you wanted Darby Allen and now ringside said, cause there's been a lot of shit going on because a lot of people were accusing certain podcasts of being able to get these rares. And not chains. ours, not our podcast. Not ours. We, we don't get any preferential treatment. <laughs> we get nothing. But they said every now and then we will, if you All order apart. this one figure, we will send you the chase or the variant with it or the rare one, which is a lot. So. Hopefully nice. you get the Darby yeah, rare variant. That'd be incredible. That is another one. I guess. Cool, man. Thank you. Jesus, man. God. Yeah. I just wish you could have this shit here to open. It, but it's fine. Still, though, I hate it. No worries. This has been a this has been a fun year as we're winding down the podcast here, and uh, we're not done with season three yet, of course. And now we are going to take a hiatus for. Uh, probably New Year's and New Year's. kick off the first week of January with a new episode for season three. I don't remember how many episodes left are in season three. We are, this will be episode seven. Okay, so we're going to have so three left. Three left in uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then um, next, next episode coming up, we will have a guest in studio who is a professional when it comes to the movie. Maybe we should, should we just tell him yeah, the movie? Yeah, let's tell him. Our buddy will be coming in and joining us as we talk about 1984's cult classic starring Peter Weller, Buckaroo Banzai, Across the Eighth Dimension. Yes. So it's one of Kevin and I's favorite movies. It's very underrated. It's a cult classic. It was so classic that whoever owned my VHS copy taped over it with soap operas. Really? Yeah. The one day I have a VHS and the one day I went to, I was like, I really want to watch this. And, uh. I put it in and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember this. And I was like, this is, this is a soap opera. Somebody had this tape and of all tapes, they didn't tape over. Like I love Twister. We've covered Twister, but there's yeah. 10 billion copies of Twister on VHS. They didn't tape over that one. <laughs> they taped over. You go to any thrift store. What are the two movies you will always find? Speed and Twister. Yes. It's but like clockwork. You never find Buckaroo Banzai. No. So they had to tape over that. So, okay. Well, uh, as Will B would say, get back in the pool. Before we say that, though, Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you very much, everybody. Let's everybody back in the pool. All right, Lethal Weapon is so great. It really is the blueprint for so many buddy cop and action movies that came after. I've been working on a screenplay for probably six months that could not exist without Lethal Weapon. There are four of these movies for Lethal Weapon with Lethal Weapon 4 coming in 1998. There's a reboot as a television series, which we probably won't talk about. Where does Lethal Weapon rank for you, Jim? on the action movie scale and where does it stack up against the Die Hard franchise? Now we all know Die Hard to me is my favorite Christmas movie and a lot of people go it's not a Christmas movie it takes place during Christmas just like this movie does it's a Christmas movie I'm sorry it's a Christmas movie the first three Die Hard movies even though two gets so much shit and I think it's unwarranted because I think Die Hard 2 is great it's even better when you watch the edited version for Yippee-Ki-Yay, Mr. Yeah. Falcon. Yippee-Ki-Yay, Mr. Falcon. Dired with a Vengeance is amazing, the third one. And then they waited a couple years and they released Live Free or Die Hard. Mm -hmm. PG-13'd it. He didn't say Yippee-Ki-Yay, motherfucker. Then they had, what was the fifth one called? I never even saw it. I don't know. Has a son in it. It's something stupid. 
it went off the hook. Lethal Weapon seemed to just get better as they went on. Like Lethal Weapon 2, South African things are great. Three introduced Joe Pesci and then four had Chris Rock. The more and more you think about it, if you're thinking about the whole, you have to go Lethal Weapon over the Die Hard. Yeah. Now, if we're just taking Die Hard 3, up to 3, okay. Oh, yeah. Die Hard 1, 2, and 3. 3 might even be my favorite. Die Hard with a Vengeance. is really good. Is like this scavenger hunt with Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson, whose name is Zeus. Hey, Zeus! My name is not Hey, Zeus. It's <laughs> Zeus. Like, God of, what's he say? God of Thunder, shoot a lightning bolt up your ass. Yeah. Die Hard 3 is great, and then after 3, it totally falls apart. Lethal Weapon has 4. Very solid movie. Added more comedy elements to it, which is fine. I mean, there's a lot of movies like this that aren't quite like film noir. Like I'd say stuff like Nice Guys yeah. and and things like that. You know, buddy cop type movies. But this is uh, definitely paved the way for some. <coughs> now I do have a slight story. It's kind of directed towards Lethal Weapon. Now, one of my favorite comic book heroes of all time, my number one favorite, is Superman. I have a wall in my house. I call it the Fortress of Wallitude. It's all about Superman. I was also a big Smallville fan. I thought Smallville was an amazing show. However, it went on, like most things, way too long than it should have. We used to do horror comedy movies, and we went up to this one convention up in Cleveland. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Michael Rosenbaum was there. Michael Rosenbaum was Lex Luthor in Smallville. Ended up meeting him, doing a meet and greet, and you could take a picture with him. He'll autograph it for you. So I go up to him. I was like, hey, everybody does the whole hey, thumbs up or arms around thing. It's like, can we do something different? He's like, yeah, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, how about we do like a Riggs and Murtaugh buddy cop pose? Nice. And it's hanging up on my wall upstairs. We go back to back and I do the hands up like, what the hell's happening? He's full on Murtaugh. And then he signed. He's like, that's one of the best fucking pictures I've ever done. It was an excellent idea. And it was all thanks to Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I think we we align on our our thoughts with where lethal weapon and how important lethal weapon was as an action movie however if you had to pick between the first die hard and lethal weapon one i pick lethal weapon see i would take die hard and we talked about this i think i've just seen die hard so many times that it's its effect is kind of worn out on me like like these will always be linked in my yeah yes i mean we talked about earlier 1987 is it's insane you know what I'll bring it up. Go ahead. Keep talking because I'll bring up the number one movies. Which it just seems like for us on this podcast, influentially for music videos, movies, like a lot of things came out that we probably will or have talked about. Now, here are the number one movies in 1980, starting from January. There's Golden Child, Eddie Murphy, Critical Condition, Richard Pryor, whatever. Then we hit Platoon. Then we hit Nightmare on Elm Street. Then we hit this, Lethal Weapon, Blind Date, whatever. Kevin and I love the Police Academy movies. The fourth one was number one for a couple weeks. Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox will be covered in future years. He fucks his hand. That's right. Beverly Hills Cop 2, Predator, Richard, uh, Witches of Eastwick, Dragnet, Revenge of the Nerds 2, which we will be covering, yes. RoboCop, The Living Daylights, Stakeout, Fatal Attraction, The Running Man, Three Men and a Baby, and Eddie Murphy Raw. Oh, that's unbelievable. Dude, it's a, a huge year. Unbelievable. Running Man, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Three Robo Men and a Baby. Cop, Three Men and a Baby. All these movies are like us. It <laughs> is. Big time. 1987, apparently very important to us, even though we were like... Uh, I was six. Five, and I was four. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with logic. Mm-hmm. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Birthday cake in the bathtub. Okay, the weirdest shit. It's Murtaugh's birthday. His 50th birthday. Yeah, he's relaxing in the morning. He's relaxing in the tub. The entire Murtaugh family, his wife, his two daughters, his son, come into the bathroom while he's taking a bath. Not a bubble bath. I would assume he's naked. (laughs) Yeah, because what grown man doesn't just take a clothed bath? Because everything we can see, there's no visible clothing. No. There's this, his son sitting over his shoulder, his daughter's just like leaning into the tub. The dude is naked. They totally. have a great relationship, but 
That's too far. First of all, no way, shape, or form ever went into the bathroom when my dad was taking a bath or my grandfather was taking a bath to go, hey, nice dick. You know, you just don't. It's, okay. I would even say or as Jens, it's as you one call thing it. if the kid had to come in and take a piss while his dad's in the bathtub or, or a something. Dump. But like there, the entire family bring him a cake. Yeah. It's weird. And his daughter even creeps up on him more and goes, dad, your beard's getting long. Oh. And starts playing with his beard a little bit. While his gens are right there. It's so weird. I, I don't understand. And what if, I'm shocked, that what if one of them got a view of it and they dropped the cake in the fucking water? <laughs> they don't, I it, mean. <sighs> exactly, who does that? Weird. I wouldn't want my kids doing that. Was, All right. Then again, I don't get baths anyways. You're laying around your own filth. It's gross. I, I shower don't care. after a bath. So explain this to me. I, I brought this up to Kevin. This makes no sense to me. Martin Riggs. Probably makes a decent living being a narco cop and then moving over to homicide, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Even in nineteen eighty seven dollars, okay? Why does he live in a, a a shitty Winnebago? Well, you can assume that his wife, when she was alive, that they probably shared a domicile. Yeah. And lived together, probably had a house. Did he give up on everything and stop paying his bills? I have no idea. Like, I, I don't now, know. How to like in it. this one, it's more of just, hey, there's a Winnebago and a beach. As the time went on, I think in the second one, it's more of literally a beach house. Yeah. In this one, it's just like, hey, I just backed up this Winnebago and parked it. Yeah. Granted, great views every morning. You can't beat that. Oh, no. That's excellent. But it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, if he's grieving because of his wife, he doesn't want to be in the same house. Totally get it. Because you're reminded of your wife all the time. Absolutely understandable. But you'd think, hey, I could find a small house somewhere else. Yeah. Just this, I don't know. That just struck me. I was like, he's got to make a good living. Not as weird as his birthday cake bathtub, but yeah. Well, then again, you start this movie basically almost seeing Murtaugh's rig. Then you see Riggs's ass. And then you see Amanda Hunsaker's tits. Yeah. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My next one, the final fight, and why didn't they break it up? Uh, Makes no sense. Several police cruisers have arrived. Again, they formed a big circle around the fight. At any moment, at any time, the one of the 10 or all of the 10 police officers. The entire fucking LAPD. Could have just grabbed Mr. Joshua, and it, it's very much like the end of Friday. Pretty because much. Friday fights D or Friday. Friday, Friday fights D. The, the character Friday in the movie Friday. Craig fights Debo rest in peace and when he fights him Debo gets the upper hand chokes out Craig the dad says let him get up let him fight like a man John Witherspoon so maybe that's what's happening here again maybe as Murtaugh's gift to Riggs to get his groove back is to let him defeat Mr. Joshua so he has something to feel good about but they were in the same kind of shadow unit in Vietnam. Yeah, it's just weird. It's weird that all the cops just stand there and watch them fight. Mm -hmm. And then they damn near kill one of their fellow officers. Mr. Joshua steals the gun off the cop and then Riggs and Murtaugh blow him away. But they miss another cop by inches. I'm surprised they didn't graze him on the skin with that shot. Yeah, he probably leaned into it to get that uh, disability. Probably. So this one makes absolutely no sense. So. It's come out that Amanda Huntsacker, who you see naked, that jumps off the top floor of that hotel yeah, in the, the very movie, beginning. The movie opens up. She lays on a bed. She is naked or has an open topless. robe, yeah, whatever. She's topless. She snorts some rails. She goes out to her balcony. She stands up on the rail and she jumps. And she jumps. And she lands on a car. Yeah. However, it is also found out that she was poisoned with Drano, yet she jumped. Don't you think if you're going to be poisoned by Drano, you're not going to have the ability to pretty much jump, let alone live? Yeah, I don't understand this because her father is the one who started the whole series of events by yeah. contacting Murtaugh, their old buddies, mm -hmm. to basically investigate what's going on with her. Yeah. Mike, why did you try to get in touch with me? Oh, I heard that you were... Somebody told me you were working out here and I thought maybe you could get her up. Get her out of what? Get her out of the stuff she was into. She was making uh, videotapes. But when was the Drano given to her? You don't see it. Does the Drano make her jump? The only thing I can think of is 
Once again, we've talked about it a lot of times throughout the history of this show thus far. The Snyder Cut. It had to have been a cut scene. Weird. But why even mention it? Okay, she snorts a couple rails. She takes a jump. I automatically think of Jenny and Forrest Gump. Yeah. She's banging heroin in her arm, and she gets on top of the balcony while that piece of shit fucking song Freebird is playing. It would have made more sense for them to just be like, she jumped because she felt like she couldn't escape this life. Yeah. With, you know, all the stuff she was like tangled in. Why, why even bring up the, you know, the evidence that she was weird. And then later on in the movie, you see Murtaugh watching that video of her Mm -hmm. and supposedly her sister in a shower together, which is, there's another weird fucking thing. Like, okay, sisters are just fully grown, shower together naked. Okay. Yeah. Somebody had a fetish. Apparently. Just uh, showering and bathing with those hunt sackers. Let me tell you. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention? I do have one more. They go to see Riggs and Murtaugh go to this house, but the house explodes. However, one of the kids there, they look like new addition. He's able to identify who was Mr. Joshua by the tattoo on Riggs's arm. He's like, that's a tattoo. I saw it. Uh, uh, Tattoo. Tattoo. Uh, like a like papa, like papa, a tattoo like papa. Oh, not like papa. It was bad. Like that? Exactly like that? Mm-hmm. I saw it good. This is it. I remember. Are you sure? It had a knife even. The tattoo on Riggs' arm alone. Less than three inches. Three inches, and it looks like a apartment tattoo yeah it's, it's not great it's fully saturated it's a mess and he saw it and made it out yeah from 80 yards so somehow the first of all the kid identified the guy as white i don't know how he did he would see blue and red <laughs> the kid shouldn't be wearing 3d where are his parents okay if my kid's walking around with 3d glasses out in the real world we're sitting down and having a real talk he's able to identify mr joshua by his race his hair color and the world's smallest tattoo from 80 to 100 yards away. What the fuck, Albert? Pretty amazing. Yeah, Albert's uh, got some powers. Albert the Alvin from New Edition 2. That's all I got. What is the legacy of this movie? Well, there were four movies and a reboot series. The reboot series, Fox. Fox. And uh, Damon Wayans Jr. was Murtaugh. They actually replaced the guy playing Riggs because I think... He was too intense. I'm pretty sure he was causing some problems on set. Yeah, so they brought Stifler in. Yeah, so they brought Stifler in from American Pie to replace him, and I think that was the end of it. I think Wait, it was like, I think actual Damon Wayans was Murtaugh. I'm oh, pretty sure it was Damon. Damon Wayans, not the, Damon Wayans Jr.? The Damon Wayans. Oh, okay. I don't in know. I've never color. watched it. Neither did I, but I think so, it's just Damon Wayans. Four movies. They were all pretty good. Uh, third one, Joe Pesci. Fourth one, Chris Rock. And surprisingly, it stopped there in 1998. It's been 22 years. Mm-hmm. And other than the series, it never... Well, Mel Gibson, let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's probably like, uh, <laughs> do we want to do Lethal Weapon 5? There actually was a Lethal Weapon 5, thanks to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, true. Which is the closest thing oh we'll probably... God, it's great. That's the best. If you guys have never seen... I think It's Always Sunny just signed up for up to, what, 18, 19, and 20th really? season? I think they just signed. It's pretty wow. fucking amazing. But if you guys ever have a chance, they did a whole episode called Lethal Weapon 5. It's yeah. amazing. Um, And then the other legacy is... Uh, again, I don't think buddy cop or action movies are the same without this. No. You know, Shane Black had this concept to do this urban Western concept, and I think it really worked the team up. Because as you see, like, look at all these movies before and after that all... This was a popular thing to do at the time. You had, like, Stakeout, another Stakeout... <laughs> Turner and Hooch. Those are good movies, though. Yeah, Turner and Hooch. Um, Stop or my mom will shoot. Yes. <laughs> Stop. Or- Which, wow. Yeah. That could I be mean, a movie we do. No. <laughs> uh, there were a lot. There were a lot, a lot of these type of movies, especially, I mean, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. But I- this movie also contained one of your favorite one-liners. Yeah. The Shepherd thing? Yeah. No. Let's do what one Shepherd said to the other Shepherd. What? Let's get the block out of here. Yes. What, did, what did he say? What did the shepherd say in a time like this? Let's get the flock out of here. Yeah, he yeah. says something like that after they uh, free themselves from being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. So you want to do plugs? Listen to what we're up to. 
Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast, also at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas, we have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us, and now back to Kevin. All right, thank you for joining us for our Christmas special. That's right. You may have wanted us to do It's a Wonderful Life or Miracle on 34th Street. What fuck all that noise? Now, come on. We do lethal weapon around here. We're different here. You guys should know that by now. We are 30 episodes deep. You know this now. But we hope we uh, that you appreciate us as much as we appreciate you. Yes. Again, we will be taking a just a short hiatus. Just a week. Um, we will be spending it with our families and... Staying away from the COVID. Staying away from the COVID. Maybe, and, and we're getting that exciting 600 bucks from the government, Kevin. Thanks, guys. What nine, are you going to do with your 600? Cocaine. Nine months of <laughs> back and forth. They're and getting mart- They're getting martini lunches and corporations. Yeah, and, yeah. Those so. fuckers. Yeah, but uh, we do appreciate all of you taking a short hiatus. We're going to spend it with our families, recharge the batteries, uh, come back in the new year, 2021, to finish out season three. And then we have a pretty good idea of what we're doing for season four. And we will actually do something different this time around. When we get to the deep end, our final episode of the year, at the very end, we are going to unveil our movies we will be doing for season four to prep you guys yeah, so you, you can, can watch, watch them ahead of time. Hand. Yep. Card subject to change, we'll say. Yeah. If sometimes there's, you know, these movies aren't streaming or we don't own them or as you see with shipping, we order a copy and it doesn't arrive on time, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but we are excited about season four. We're excited to finish season three. Hoping for big things here in 2021. Hopefully yeah. the world returns to normal. You know what? We've talked about this. We... Especially me, I always had a thing about doing this podcast, and with us being unquarantined this summer, we just said, hey, what the hell, let's do it. Not too long ago, I decided to put on the very first episode of this show, Kevin, while I was uh, taking a shower, and uh, this is when we decided to do it up in my living room, and the ambient noise in the background is fantastic when you're hearing the cards and the birds chirping, and we were sweating our asses off upstairs watching it. We've come a long way. This is episode number 30, kind of feet. We've been at this for six months now. We're loving it. Hopefully in 2021, we can expand this further. Kevin and I have even talked about merch ideas, talked about stickers for you guys. We want 2021 to be the year we finally go, hey, this is what Kevin and I do on the side with your guys' support. And we love you guys for it to help take us to that very next level. Yes, agreed. Okay, we will see you in 20. And 21. Yeah. Until then. Merry Christmas, everybody. So Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming. Uh-huh.